Hello and welcome to The Shovel, a podcast brought to you by Property Leaders Brisbane, an independent and vibrant community open to professionals working in the property and construction industry. The Shovel is a natural extension of the conversations we have at our events where we share and debate ideas and inspire positive change in our city. This season of The Shovel focuses on our theme for 2021, Brazilians. Hi, my name is Finbar McLaughlin and I'm a member of the Property Leaders Brisbane Committee and also a director at Evolved Engineering. I have with me here today Kirsty Simpson, who is a principal and global commercial and workplace sector leader at Hassel. Kirsty is an internationally recognised specialist in workplace design who has earned her place on numerous boards, a testament to an impressive career defined by a number of firsts in her profession. She brings a style and flair to work environments that are also highly practical, places that balance function and innovation to ensure they are successful on day one and well into the future. Kirsty is an adjunct professor at the UQ School of Architecture and sits on Brisbane City Council's Independent Design Advisory Panel and the Queensland Urban Design and Places panel. And we're very privileged to have Kirsty here to join us for The Shovel. Welcome, Kirsty. It's lovely to be here. I'm going to dive right into it um, with a very current question. And we've seen a lot of change in Brisbane across my time here and obviously over your career to date, and in particular, our approach to workplaces and commercial offices. But it'd be hard to ignore the most recent thorn in all of our sides and that being COVID. And I wonder, as we look towards increased vaccination rates and our future life with COVID, what is that going to mean for our CBD here in Brisbane? And, and what is it going to mean for how we actually work? It's a good question. And I think there's obviously a number of ways of answering it. The first is really that I would argue, and being the eternal optimist that I am, this globally synchronised experiment has presented some opportunities. And those are that really... It, it almost has accelerated a future that was coming our way. We've had a chance to really understand what the potential of place might be and what interventions are required to make it, I suppose, a place that is desirable. For me, as a specialist in commercial architecture and workplace, it's wonderful to know that workplace and workplace strategy has become a really important part of broader business strategy. So that's a really key aspect of answering that question. And I suppose as a practice, we've done an enormous amount of research over the course of the last 18 months to really understand what the impact of this pandemic has been on workplace and our cities. I suppose for us, our view is that some of the issues that we've experienced, those around the desire for social distancing at at the workplace and that that notion of physical separation might be something that might be addressed with time and with further impact of the vaccination rollout. I suppose for us, what we're really interested in is a focus on a new future. So what we can see as a practice is a requirement for a leadership transformation, a culture transformation and a place transformation. So I think we, we have been plotting those issues that might have an impact from degree of impact and longevity and really there is great potential in taking the time to understand what this experience has meant for all of us and therefore what opportunities it presents moving forward. What's really clear is, is that the notion of return to work, positive and negative, has had a big impact on our CBDs and it's really apparent 
that we need to do everything we can to entice people back to the office. Now that's both for the life of our CBDs and the notion of sustainability and resilience within cities, but it's also a human issue. There's clearly been a lot of interest recently in the mental health considerations of spending long periods of time at home. And our research would suggest the longer that you spend at home, the less likely you are to return to work confidently. So I think the sooner that we can bring people back with confidence and really consider the experience of being at work and the idea that that's a fundamental part of who we are as people and for, for business sustainability, I think it's a really key consideration. Statistically, we have found that in our research, in fact, 91% of people have missed being with people more than they've missed being in their workplace. Mm. So what's clear is the role that the workplace plays from the perception of a, or from the perspective of a social stage is critically important to us as humans and to the sustainability of our cities. 91%, huge. So with transformation of place, how can we ensure then that you know our existing um, buildings, as well as the future buildings, because you know, I suppose future buildings we can plan them perhaps easier than the existing ones, and um, but how can we ensure that they give us the tools that we're going to need within our CBD to be that place of choice for work, and you know what changes do we need to make within those buildings that we currently have? I think we could look at it as both the built infrastructure as well as the human centric considerations. So from a built infrastructure perspective, there are clearly changes that we can make to existing buildings and clearly there are a different set of considerations for new buildings that are being contemplated. And then, of course, there's the whole issue of the experience of being at work, so the programmatic overlay and the, the cultural attributes of any organisation that might make their workplace a place that you want to return to. From a building perspective... I suppose, again, we've done a lot of research in what is desirable for office workers in their workplace and in their buildings moving forward. We ran a recent uh, research project that canvassed the views of 2,300 people across the world, so both within Australia, within Singapore, within the US and the UK, to really understand both what the differences are in those various geographies in which Hassel has a presence, but also to understand what consistent issues there might be moving forward post-pandemic. And what's, I guess, interesting and one of the most, for me, surprising insights is that a lot of the high-end, nice-to-have amenities were the least popular. So what we found is that very few people picked things like a personal concierge or on-site childcare or the ability to bring a dog to work. And <laughs> surprising. And on the flip side, things like free food and a shorter commute were extraordinarily popular. Now, they're not always things that we can achieve in a base building or a workplace. But right under those considerations was a whole bunch of quite practical considerations, like more space to focus, more space to collaborate, and better meeting facilities. So I think there's an interesting expectation that the workplace is a collaborative place, we no longer need to go to work to work alone. So really the role that the workplace plays moving forward has fundamentally shifted to be a place of celebration, a place of learning and a place of collaboration. So I think what we're going to see in workplaces moving forward will be different and will reflect that changing interest in what role the workplace can play.
You said that one of the points there was that people would like a shorter commute. Southeast Queensland is very old, quite different, I suppose, to some of our other areas in the country where we actually are quite spread out and disparate. Do you, do you think that then is going to have a challenge in terms of the future of our CBD? Do you see maybe there might be more people wanting to get closer or is that a transport thing? I think it's a couple of considerations. I think it's it will be perhaps something that we need to understand from a long-term perspective because that shorter commute time is partially related to a desire to drive to work or to take personal control of your transit to work. There's a bit of resistance to using public transport in a really mass way. Mm. We're a little bit frightened by that. So I think that the consideration about a shorter commute time is the fact that people are very interested in taking personal control of their commute. So what we have seen as part of those considerations is a very real focus on end of trip facilities because if you can't drive and parking is expensive, the ability to ride to work and use end of trip facilities is a highly desirable one. And I think that's reflective of both our considerations moving forward of increased health and wellbeing considerations, but also the idea that you could have personal control over your commute. And I think part of that is also around the desire moving forward for something in the category related to health and wellbeing focus in the research that we've undertaken. So we, we have seen on the list of desirable attributes, which is something that perhaps is very well or is more easily able to be addressed in, for instance, in Brisbane and South East Queensland, is around green space and health and wellbeing considerations. So I think given the amount of time that many of people have spent indoors, those attributes of base buildings that have become even more desirable moving forward apart from green space are things like gyms, wellness spaces and bike racks. And I think that is reflective of our consideration for more balance and more personal control of our commute mm. and where we spend our time. And I suppose having spent so much time at home, we are now used to being very close to our families a lot earlier perhaps in the day and we might want to get back there quicker, um, which doesn't help with some of the traffic that we have here. So Kirsty, with respect to the, those tools and the changes we need to undertake within our buildings, who's, who's actually going to undertake that work? Who's responsible to drive that? Is that going to be the developers, the tenants themselves, and who's going to have that voice? It's a really good question and somewhat complicated. Moving forward, in my view, this will be a shared obligation. So there'll be a certain number of desirable workplace attributes that will become the obligation of the business and their culture and making sure that what they're providing is aligned with their corporate strategy. And then there are some that will fall between the workplace and the base building and then some that are clearly part of the base building attributes. And some of those sit firmly around better amenities. So you'll see green space on the list of things that are desirable. And then you'll also see, as I mentioned, things like gyms, wellness spaces and bike racks. Now there, they may be a workplace attribute or they may be a base building attribute. And then there are a whole, a whole other set of considerations around the urban amenities. So in our research, 42% of people chose as the most important issues something in this category as part of their top five attractors to return to work. And they're things like better coffee, better retail, or having a great bar or restaurant nearby. Now, they're clearly not 
within the workplace or not typically often part of the base building so I think there'll be a really shared obligation moving forward and I think what's really important in all of this research and what clearly we found is the workplace is no longer somewhere you have to be it needs to be somewhere you want to be so we really need to be really paying careful attention to what is required by business moving forward, what is required by people moving forward, and therefore what can be created in urban environments, commercial buildings and workplaces to make it a place that is really seductive and attractive to bring people back to their place of work. Into um, a bit more around the workplace and, and how the future of how we actually are going to be working, Australia generally has um, typically been ahead of the curve on workplace and workplace strategies but we are a bit behind the curve in our reopening for after covid and i suppose that's mainly because of our lower vaccination rates that we currently have but with some of that perspective that you find in some of the surveys that you've done um, across the, the world is there anything that we can learn from those companies and what they're put in place in terms of that resilient workplace, the needs of their employees, and maybe what Brisbane can learn, or better yet, what we can take and do better again in respect to those commercial offices or you know any of the new buildings that we have muted on the horizon, of which are quite a few here in Queensland. I think it's a really interesting question, Finbar, because we have, I suppose that the timeline for this pandemic has not been a straight line. There's been a return to work and then return to home. So we're seeing different responses to these sorts of issues in different geographies, even within Australia. So whereas we were perhaps at the end of last year, really at the forefront of the ability to return to work, we are no longer. So we're seeing very different responses to this experience in Brisbane as opposed to Sydney and Melbourne. I was speaking to one of my clients this morning who has just created a fabulous new workplace in Melbourne and they were able to occupy it only for four weeks before they've returned to working from home. It's a really complicated set of considerations, I would argue. We can learn, I would say that globally, there's been a lot of cities, for instance, in London and in the States that have learnt from our experience in Australia and how to return to work. And now, as you say, we're learning a little from what it might mean to live with this pandemic or, or this experience moving forward. I suppose there's, there's learnings both ways. And I think what we have found is there needs to be a really nuanced response to how we build strategies for each client in their specific geographies based on their specific population and the demographics of that because all of those factors and many others come into play in order to make recommendations about what the workplace needs to be and for that matter what building attributes they need to be that are attractive to business and for that matter individuals. Do you think we have any um, advantages here in Queensland over some of our southern friends in terms of being able to attract those people back to the CBDs sooner or better or faster? I think in Brisbane, we have been so fortunate and we have weathered this storm extraordinarily well. Why that is, I'm not in a position to answer, but I think we need to capitalise on perhaps the potential for optimism that we have moving forward and really work hard to maintain the life of our cities and maintain the life of our workplaces. Now, that might sound like 
quite a, a selfish aim because obviously that is the business in which I operate. But I think for the fundamentals of our economy and really setting our city up for the next 10 years of extraordinary growth, there is such potential. We have so many projects that are literally going to transform our city, whether that's really quite fantastic transport infrastructure in Cross River Rail, the, the airport redevelopment, whole precincts that are being created at Waterfront Brisbane, Queen's Wharf, RNA. These are extraordinary projects that are going to define what Brisbane is moving forward. And we have a very unique opportunity to learn from this experience and in a way predict what is required moving forward to make sure that our city is resilient and that we are a place that is highly desirable for business, tourism and sport moving forward. Talking of sport and golden opportunities, uh -huh. what a golden opportunity to ask you a question about the little uh, SEQ Olympics in 2032. An amazing opportunity for our region and our city, an absolute game changer for Brisbane. What do you see as some of those things that might evolve out of the Bad Olympics victory, as a, for want of a better word, and maybe some of the things that you know we can take away again from the, the opportunities that we had further south through the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and more closer to home, even the Gold Coast Com Games? Well, I think it, it's not necessarily a space that I'm expert in, but my understanding is that the model for the development of venues specifically to support the Olympics has changed in that there's less of an expectation that there are fully custom created venues to service that specific event. So it's more so the idea that there may be existing venues that can support activities and those that are created have a greater long-term relevance and future. So I think all of those projects should feed into this broader city strategy that ensures we are a city that responds to the predicted growth. And really, for me, what's really exciting and I'm particularly optimistic about is the idea that all of these projects collectively give us such an incredible opportunity to really define and celebrate what Brisbane is, has to offer and can be as a global city moving forward. So these projects and the scale of these projects really allow us to create something that is unique to this place and that is something that I find particularly exciting. Yeah, and show the world, you know, give them a window into who we are and come on over. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's interesting, this, this experience and the resilience that there has been in our city has really meant that it's become very attractive for a lot of people to return to Brisbane or to move to Brisbane who see opportunities here. So there's been a lot of friends of mine and colleagues that have made a decision to return or to move to Brisbane because they can see that there are opportunities now and into the future. And I think that, from a human perspective, is something really interesting. So not only is there extraordinary projects on the horizon, but a really interesting development of the human capital in this city. And what then, just to go slightly um, askew from what we've been chatting about, but a little bit not so much in terms of you know your future hopes and dreams for Brisbane itself, because uh, we've, we've talked about so much positivity here, but from a personal perspective, what would you like Brisbane to become in the future? As a designer, I'm really excited about being part of what I hope will be 10 or 11 years and beyond of really fabulous opportunities within my profession. But on a personal note, I have three daughters, all at school, 
and I'm hoping that as a result of the opportunities that our city has and the excitement in our economy that Brisbane will be a place that will maintain their interest post-school. It might be a place that they decide to stay and really make their future here rather than feeling the need to travel further afield. Now that's obviously a selfish desire to have my, <laughs> my daughters close by but I think it's also representative of the idea that we will create opportunity that keeps the wonderful talent and innovation and all of those fabulous traits that we're developing in our students, the notion that they would want to stay here to make their future and develop a career in Brisbane, that is really exciting to me. Yeah, those are sentiments that are very much shared um, in my household as well. So I don't think it's too selfish. Well, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, thank you very much for coming in today and having a bit of a chat with us. And um, I look forward to many awesome projects and what we're calling the golden decade to come up to the Olympics and beyond. And hopefully we can get our kids to stay for a little while longer. Agree. Thank you, Finbar. Thanks, Christy. The Shovel is a podcast for Property Leaders Brisbane and is kindly recorded and produced by BBS Communications Group. If you've enjoyed The Shovel, please subscribe, review and share to help spread the word. Music